If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. And so understanding that it's a messy, sloppy evolution with other people along the way, but you can ultimately achieve more. You can have more happiness, more joy, more fulfillment. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I am super excited to have a dynamic duo here today. They are sisters, and they've been in business, in a family business, they're with their family for years, have a huge entrepreneurial journey in the restaurant industry for us to dive into and discuss. And then they've grown their business beyond that and have taken it like leaps and bounds further. And we're going to look at how that shift came through a real opportunity that didn't exactly look like an opportunity in the beginning, which I think is a perfect topic for this podcast, because we're always looking at, you know, law of relativity and perspective and seeing the opportunities that are here and what it takes to really, really look at that. So welcome, welcome to the show, Kay Salerno and Shyla Morris. Hello. Welcome. Hello, and thank you guys so much for having us today. We're honored to be here. And it truly is a delight. We love sharing our story. We love connecting with other entrepreneurs, and we love telling you, you're not crazy, (laughs) but you're kind of (laughs) crazy. Right. It's a good kind of crazy, though. It's not crazy. Don't do it. It's like crazy. Yes, go. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I'm going to ask uh, the two of you to help our listeners out with is like, when you answer my questions, can you say your name so they know who is actually answering because you may or may not have different answers to the questions or you might want to tag team one of you takes the answer and then the other one takes it so first why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience with entrepreneurship and what that looked like and how that's changed over the years well, we would love to share that with you. And this is Shyla speaking here, the older, wiser sister. Definitely the wiser <laughs> sister. <laughs> um, you know, when Kay was 10 and I was 17, our parents cashed in their savings in retirement, quit their careers, called in every favor they could, and bet it all to buy a failing breakfast restaurant in a tiny ski town called Truckee, California. So the name of that restaurant is the Squeeze Inn. It's been there since 1974. It's an institution in this tiny little town. And when we were growing up, uh, the dad was a landscaper and he would plant trees for the then owner who would tip him with free breakfast. And so mom and dad would pack us up. We lived in Reno. Truckee's about 30 minutes into the Sierra Nevadas. Drive us up to the Tahoe Truckee area. We'd have breakfast and on the drive home, mom and dad would say, gosh, if we could just do anything, 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 we would own that little restaurant. It was their dream. So when that opportunity came along, they they did everything that they could. Uh, we like to say they acted completely rationally. <laughs> Uh, and and bet it all to buy that failing restaurant, which of course they didn't know was failing at the time. Um, But that was when Kay and I instantly gained a a front row seat to the drama of American entrepreneurship. This is Kay here. It was like a literal overnight transformation for our family. We went from like, you know, going to cheer practice to baking biscuits and doing the, the nighttime laundry at home and from going to restaurants as a family to serving other families in our restaurant. And it was just the one location and, and Shai, you know, you touched on it, but it, it really was failing. We, we got in and they didn't accept credit cards. There, 
wasn't a soda machine or fryer for the for the breakfast potatoes. And it turns out that there was an accountant cooking books on the side, you know, one for the company, one for me. And uh, we were able to go in and implement systems into the one and help it to start to grow into more. Um, but it was a, a really quite the immersive start <laughs> and nothing teaches you like immersion. Well, totally. and nothing like just getting your feet wet and, and having to make it work. So one, I just have to say that I grew up in California and Truckee holds a little soft spot in my, my heart. That's that like gateway to getting to Tahoe and like being yep. there. So I love that. I'm sure I've actually been in your restaurant. So fascinating. Yes, you have to, you know, that we all have always said you cannot beat the charm of Truckee. Yeah. And it really is. It's a tiny little tourist town. Uh, it's a railroad Western town and it is adorable. So plugging for Truckee, if you've never been totally, I, I, I had dreams of like, let's move. There was an, there's another town in the Sierra Nevada that I just, I, I had dreams. Like I'm leaving the Bay area. I'm going to live in the, the mountains, right? Like this, like, I understand what was drawing your parents. You know, they were like, Oh my God, this is amazing. It's a, it's a powerful vortex of a place. Okay. So they weren't crazy, but they were kind of crazy and they shared this with you. So you had some actual, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't easy. There was, there were challenges along the way, obviously unethical people are challenges and a breakfast place that doesn't have a fryer. That's a challenge. Okay. But you guys navigated that and you worked through it. And am I right that you learned some key things as the children in that sort of, you weren't the ones necessarily making the decisions, but you were witnessing the decisions. How has that helped you in your own business, right? And it, can you see the difference in how you approach decision-making differently, having lived through this than say someone who's never been part of a family of entrepreneurs or small business owners approaches decision-making? Yeah, the Shyla here, you know, that's a that's a really interesting perspective to bring forward. And I think that's one of the reasons that we really like to say we gained that front row seat um, because we watched first mom and dad be the entrepreneurs um, and and over those years go through those struggles and make those decisions. And we were, you know, we're the kids, we're bussing tables and taking orders and like, okay, if you say go file these 14 files into the QuickBooks, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, so, so kind of doing the minutiae of it without having to be that manager of it was definitely helpful. And it's, it's a practice that we've continued to um, champion towards others. When they say, I, my dream is to own a restaurant, we say, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you, it's standard, you have to ask. Um, because often what happens is someone says, I want to own a restaurant because they love to cook or they love to go out to eat. And they don't understand that whether you're going to own a flower shop or a tire shop or a financial services shop or a restaurant, that those mechanics of business are going to be the same, that you're going to have to take care of your financials, that you're going to have to have solid products and services, that you're going to have to know your operations and be able to scale them, that you're going to have to invest in your leadership and that you're going to have to have excellent marketing. And those were the five areas that our parents really started working and focusing on that we started taking notice of too and learning. So when others say, I want to open a restaurant, we say, go work in a restaurant, go sit at the feet of an entrepreneur, go learn on somebody else's dime before you cash in your savings and retirement, quit your career and call in every favor you can and do the same thing. Like just go learn for a minute and decide if that's what you want to do. So that's a great question to bring forward because it's a big, a big benefit for us. Yeah. I, you know, I could play devil's advocate with you. Like I'm hundred percent on that. And then I think, well, but their parents didn't know that. And they, they sold everything and bet the farm. Right. And they did it. And I think that the thing that is required is personal responsibility. 
like that, that your parents didn't just drink some Kool-Aid and have magical thinking about, even though it was a dream and that was this thing that was like pulling them forward and it seemed romantic, they didn't have magical thinking about it. They, they had QuickBooks, right? They had, you know, they had to fix the systems and the things and they were willing to get their hands dirty and, and put the time in and take that level of personal responsibility. And if, if you're willing to do that without having had the experience of doing that, because that's just how you live your life already in, whether that's a corporate job or some other um, kind of experience, then maybe it's transferable. But if you're going into it, just thinking, I want the romance of being a barista, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, go, go get that experience so that you know what, what's involved. I think that, that, you know, it's important to see both sides to that. Yeah. And this is Kay here. I think that one of the things that really having parents that went into it first gave us this opportunity to see someone who was people who were willing to go forward and fail Um, because the restaurants were purchased in 2004, but fast forward to 2013, we're at four restaurants total. We had exploded in growth from 2008 to 2013. And our parents had to sell their house and move into Shyla's living room in order for us to make payroll to get through and then figure out our finances on the other end. And so it wasn't, you know, wave the magic wand of betting it all in entrepreneurialism. It was wave the magic wand, fail hard for four years, finally figure out something to do, open up another location in the the middle of a recession, have a major economic downturn, get creative with some marketing, see an upturn, grow and expand too fast and find ourselves in a place where now, you know, the family as together, Shyla and her husband in particular, have to now say, okay, we've watched you guys do this entrepreneurial journey for this many years and this many decades. Now we've got to take the lessons that you've, that everyone's learned the hard way and start to build on it for something different. And that was when we started to see the element of culture and people and a focus on people uh, come into our systems and really help to change the game. But there was that willingness to fail from the beginning that there was no magic wand of bet it all and do it right the first time. <laughs> um, it was, it was a struggle for a long, for a long while. Yeah. And Shai here, you know, I would just add to that that yeah, maybe it's not necessarily about go go work in a restaurant and learn the business that way, but the, the what we watched our parents do was do the homework. So for a lot of people, getting on the ground and getting your hands dirty and rolling up your sleeves under somebody else's dime is going to be the cheapest, fastest way to, for you to learn the industry. But if you want to bet it all and bet your own farm, you still have to do the homework. So we were going to restaurant conferences. We were driving to Vegas and, while somebody else was running it for a weekend so we could sit in that restaurant pro, you know, and take all of our notes and figure out how to run a restaurant and reading every book and attending every conference. And mom had a background in marketing. So she was bringing in that element. So they were doing their homework. And that was something that we witnessed firsthand as well was like, okay, we bet it all. We're willing to fail and make those mistakes on the ground. And we're willing to invest in what it's going to take to make it successful, whether it's a QuickBooks system that's tactical and practical like that, or it's something like, you know, your leadership development or your restaurant uh, management development, something that that helps you grow in, in a different way that's not necessarily quite so measurable. Um, But doing your homework, however it is that you approach it is a critical aspect to success. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about investing because you had to, what I'm hearing you say is everyone, the entire family, not just mom and dad, right. But the entire family had to invest 
time, effort, and money, not just like, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and DIY it and hope for the best, right? Like that, that's important. Like I believe in work ethic and I know that it, it, there's, there's that moving the boulder up the mountain phase, which takes a huge amount of work ethic. Okay. But you have to, you have to get the training. You have to learn, you have to invest in systems and understanding to, to really make things work. Let's do a little fast forward. So you've grown the family business. There's now multiple places. You're risking it all still, right? Like it's not cash flowing. It's growing, but it's not cash flowing in the way that you want it to yet. So how does one, what would your advice be for how does one continue to know? Because I get this question a lot. Okay. How does one know if they should continue to invest Like some people would go to, you know, it's throwing good money after bad, right? Like it's just not working guys. Look, you're not, you're having to move in with your daughter. What the frickity frick, right? You know, like it's just not working. And yet that wasn't the, the attitude that you guys had. You were like, we're going to continue to invest. Talk to me about how you guys perceive that and, and knew that it was the right course for you guys to invest, but also what, what had to change in how you were investing for you to really get the business to the next level and and start seeing better returns? Okay. Here. Um, I think there were two really major things that happened at that time. One of those was the business had grown to a point where we could no longer have the uh, friend who's been like an aunt to us forever run our books. Um, We needed to bring in a professional financial services company to uh, understand our cash flow needs and and more so less from a enter it into QuickBooks and spit out your P&L and from a business advisement standpoint based off of the money that was coming in. So we really had to take a numbers approach to the business and get serious about it. And we had been serious about numbers prior to that growth numbers, guest count numbers, food numbers, spend numbers, cost numbers all of those things, but growth numbers were just different. That wasn't something that translated well from one to four. Yeah. So that's, that is like, I have this little meme that's like hashtag make love to the numbers. Like you have to know your numbers, right? There, you can't see the skies, but they just started nodding in unison. You're like, <laughs> oh my God, yes, yes. The numbers. Okay. <laughs> like, like this is freedom. You guys, there's so many people that um, only want to have the relationship stuff, only want sort of the, the sort of what they consider more fun than numbers, but you have to start falling in love with the numbers because there's so much freedom there. But then you also hired the next level person. Like you realized that it was important to get that next level of expertise. And and that really made a difference for you. You, you knew that you were no longer being served at the highest level and that you needed that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Shyla here. And one of the things that we always say is that numbers are the language of business. And if you are not fluent in that language, it doesn't matter how beautiful you are, you're not going to make it in that society. And so realizing that we weren't fluent and that we didn't have the right translators in, in place, you don't have to like love the numbers and become an expert at them and be obsessed with them, but you got to be aware of them and you've got to have people around you feel that way about numbers. And that's why collaboration and, and, and bringing in different strengths helps us so much. Um, and, and something that we try to focus on a lot is, is the concept of harmony versus balance. Um, and, and rather than like trying to live a balanced life, because if you think about somebody who's balancing, it takes 
24 seven, like the attention on that, right? Like on a tightrope, you're ah, ah, right? Like you're trying to balance and that's hard, but harmony means that you can kind of flow in and out of different places. And sometimes family gets that flow and sometimes growth and magnetism and like universal stuff gets that flow. And sometimes it has to be about the PL and it has to be about the bottom line. It's gotta be about those things. So how do we harmonize those things so that we can make a song that we wanna sing that others wanna listen to and that, that gains voices and momentum along the way. Um, and we realized we were just, we were harmonizing in like one voice of like growth at all costs, growth at all costs, growth at all, you know, we're, we're gonna bet it all again and open location number two. And then we're gonna bet it all again and open location number three. And then we're we're going to bet it all again and open location number four and oh crap, we're not going to make it through the winter that and we're not going to make payroll. Yeah. So mom and dad move in and now we figure out we better start speaking this language so that we can continue to grow and have that song grow as well. Um, yeah. So those have been helpful for us along the way. I think there's two really powerful things there. One, I just want to tell you that I preach the same thing. I'm like, balance is a friggin' myth. Like it's, yep. it's like the biggest lie that we've been fed. It's like, you're never going to be in balance. Like there's always going to be adjustments, right? And if you're, if you're shooting for an ideal, that's impossible to achieve, you're just setting yourself up for failure, but harmony, right? Being able to be in harmony with whatever's coming your way right now is super important. But then that concept that like, you have to start singing the language of your PL. you know, it's huge. The other thing was you guys had one strategy initially, which was bet the farm. Okay, do it again, bet the farm. Okay, do it again, bet the farm. But it wasn't getting you guys the results that you wanted, right? It was giving you, initially it got you the results that you wanted because the first dream was just like, wouldn't it be great? But, but ultimately you grow to a place where you, your, your, your goals grow as well. And, and you have to put different causes into effect to get those things. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the after story. So where did you guys go after the, oh my goodness, I'm betting the farm and this isn't working, <laughs> right? Where, where does the, the family business go from there? Uh, so Kay here. Um, so there was two pivots that happened at that bet the farm moment in 2013. And the, that first one was really understanding our numbers and digging deep. The second thing was an investment and a focus on leadership principles within the business. And what that really led to was um, developing and building culture. And the, the person who really needed to get on board here was our mom. And in 2013, she actually found an organization called the John Maxwell Team, led by John Maxwell. She had gone to her first conference and, and she came home and we were like, uh-oh, Mom joined the cult. <laughs> like she's, she was totally a different human being. She was like, it's all about people and loving on the people and the values and the culture the we created yeah. and the relationship. And so and we're, you know, millennials. And so we're over in the corner, like, yes, thank you so much. She finally understands what it is uh, that, that we've been singing in the song of the business. So a few things changed at that time. Um, the focus of the ownership leadership really started uh, to divert to building leaders who could lead restaurants versus being the ones to lead the restaurants and have people manage them. So developing the leaders around us was a major key in helping us to take the next step. Yeah. That's a huge part of scaling, right? I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you can't do it alone. You have to have the personal responsibility, but you can't do it alone. You need, you need people, but if you don't have trust in people, you don't know how to lead people. You don't know how to trust them to, to run your restaurant. You can't scale because there's, there's a, only a certain number of hours in the day. And if it's all control-based, fear-based, 
you're never going to be able to really step away and admire what you've built. You will be in there, you know, not that it's, it's wrong to get your hands dirty. It's fun and it's important, but like you have to step out of the weeds a little bit and really, if you're going to scale this thing. So that's great. How did, can you give like one example of like a really powerful shift in how you guys started to, to work with the people on your team that paid dividends? Yeah, I would love to. And just, you know, kind of jumping off from what you just shared there, that that scaling approach when it was just our one location and our one family, we could cook the food, we could serve the food, we could balance the books, like we did it all. And on the entrepreneurial journey, when you're in the infant stages of your business, you do do it all. Like you have to be the one because usually you don't have big investors behind you and tons of money that you've saved and like this great, great plan. You're just, you're making the mistakes and you're doing it all and you're wearing all the hats. We, we have often joked that, you know, The best part about entrepreneurship is that you get to pick which 16 hours of the day that you're going to work. Um, And and it's funny, but it's also true, especially in that beginning. And then our next stage of scaling was realizing that we couldn't be everywhere. And we had these that our job was now not to take care of the guests, but to take care of our associates who were taking care of the guests. And so that was like our next scale up was like figuring out this employment relationship transaction thing. But getting to locations four and then beyond, we're at 11 now realizing that that scale again had come up and we were no longer taking care of associates who were taking care of guests who were taking care of the community. We were taking care of managers who were taking care of associates who were taking care of guests who were taking care of the community. And what our managers needed was different than what our associates needed. And what our managers needed was leaders who had higher lids, who had more capacity, who had more vision, who had more strength in these areas that could pour into them. And so one of the things that we introduced um, in that year was uh, our two leadership retreats a year. You know, we're a little breakfast restaurant We're open seven hours a day, but twice a year, we take all of our leaders and we take them off of the property and we go do a fun adventure in Tahoe or go to Oregon or get an Airbnb here in town. Um, and, And we do some team building together. We do strengths finders and we do book clubs and we do TED talks and we do, uh, we did Tahoe treetop adventures recently with them, went and did zip lines and telephone poles and those kinds of things. So really investing in them. Um, and, and those retreats over the last eight years have transformed a lot from being kind of where you're going to get your big binder and we're going to look at the PL to like, we're going to talk about your leadership strengths and how you can build your team around you. Cause we're realizing in order for us to step up to that next level, they're all going to have to grow into that next level too. Um, so, so those kinds of changes really helped us. Um, And we did a larger conference right at the beginning of 2020 before COVID hit that we lovingly called Grow Cella. Now, most of our team is uh, is uh, Gen Z, and so they're rather young. And as we kind of started exploring what do they need and, and, and what do we like to do and what, what can we do and bring all these things together, these growth-centered personal development principles was something that we knew could add value to them. If we just make them happier, more, more harm, harmonious people, we could help that our business grow too. So uh, we we hosted Grotella. They all came. We had this great event, uh, built a lot of goodwill. With okay, wait, wait, wait. I have to, I have to interrupt. So how big was Grochella? Like, we need to find out. Like, are we, it's like, what, what are we, are we aiming for more? Like, this would be a thing. (laughs) We want us. We definitely, like, if we, like, our, I think eventually we would love to see like personal growth and development festivals that are like bigger than what Success Resources America puts together. But this one was about 200 people, our employees and community members. We had five speakers that we brought in. We covered faith, family, fitness, your professional life and your finances, our financial finances. It was wonderful. That's awesome. So how many, 
How many employees do you currently have? Yeah, we're at um, less than 200 now. We've definitely scaled back a little bit since the pandemic hit, but we're at about 150 total um, across all of the locations. So closed early, brought them all in, did this great thing. They had a bunch of fun. And then, you know, four weeks later, COVID hits, but the amount of buy-in and the amount of commitment that we had from our team was more than any other industry or competitor in our market. We had people, other restaurant owners telling us, I just can't keep people and my people are so sad. And like our people are our biggest problem. Problem, and that was not our problem. Yeah. Like that, not even a little bit. Our people were on fire for what can we do and how can we serve and how do we make our community better and how do we use this as an accelerator. And, and they had that shift that helped them tremendously. Yeah. I bet that there was a huge benefit. I mean, the, the restaurant industry got hit hard with COVID. Let's just like call yeah, it what it is. Like yeah. we, we just like, <laughs> There's no other way to to look at that. But I imagine that having done Grochella right before COVID hit, that when you were talking about the buy-in that you had, was that really helpful for brainstorming solutions, pivoting other opportunities? Did your did your employees and team members really help with how to navigate what was happening? Yes, this is Kay. Um, I think what we saw really was that we had invested in those um, emotional and spiritual centers inside of them that helped with the power of resilience. And what was needed more in the great shutdowns of 2020 than that power of resilience? I mean, overnight, their income got slashed as well um, because of the tips went away. And, and you know, we saw an 85% decrease in revenue overnight. Um, and that lasted for about a six week period until we started some phased reopenings. But to go in and hear our staff saying, you know, this is so sad, but we're going to make it through and we're here and we're here for you. And we appreciate how you guys are here for us. And we're here. And, and the the first thing that we did was started get, you know, gathering our associates and getting them into to Zoom meetings and talking with them on the weekly and and having provided resources for them and opening up town halls during the um, uh, protests that happened over the summer in regards to racial justice. And it was incredible to see the way that that fostered so much more than just the uh, work for money relationship and gave them purpose when things got tough. That's huge. That's really impactful. So Talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you navigated COVID, because I think that you guys have some really helpful things that could uh, translate not to just people in the restaurant industry, but all entrepreneurs who are working within the, the current context. And then also, like one of the things you said, and maybe I missed this when I was doing research on you guys, so I apologize if I don't know this, but like Grochella, you guys have this effective, impactful process there and other restaurants whether they're small or large are are not having that kind of they're not creating that kind of relationship and resilience within their employee base is that something that you guys are now looking at mentoring other restaurant owners in in doing are you doing a grochella um, where they can bring their employees like impactful personal growth team building for multiple companies all at once. 
Yeah, Shyla here. And, and perhaps that's in the future for us. We certainly have a passion for it and love to share the idea with others and give it freely. So if you are listening, no matter what industry you're in, if you want to host your own Grochella for your team, we absolutely empower you and will would be happy to answer any questions you want. If you reach out to us on social media, we'd love to to coordinate with you and give that idea away um, and would love to help others develop that too. We know it was extremely uh, helpful for us. And before we jump into kind of our COVID journey, would love to just rewind us really quick and share a, a, a culture story that's not from uh, the pandemic. That's still, I think, a good example of how investing in culture and values has paid dividends in our organization. In 2018, we switched our POS system, which is the point of sale system in a restaurant from, we were writing it on, uh, handwriting it on a ticket and then going to a computer screen and putting it in. And we switched to the servers carrying an iPad and putting it in on the iPad. It's a huge switch for a team to go through, but we chose the wrong partner. So we didn't get the right software. It was a real POS. It was a piece of software uh, and it was not very functional for us. And it resulted in a lot of tension in our team. And it culminated in this all hands summer meeting that we had with everyone. We've got a couple hundred people in the building and one of our associates raises his hand and says, what are you going to do to address the morale of our organization? Our associates are not happy. We feel abandoned and we feel hurt. What are you going to do? That was tough to stand in front of all of our people and be like, uh, you know, but we had an open conversation right there in front of the group. We said, what would you suggest? Here's what we're trying. Look, the, the, the fact is that this is a mess right now, but the truth is this isn't what we tried to navigate us through. And we all know that this is the right thing for us. So we, we've got a new partner on board now. We're getting things figured out. And the, the long and short of it is that individual is now part of our headquarters team and helping lead. Um, and he's one of our most bought in individuals who helps manage those relationships and systems back and forth. So we never do have a rollout like that. But I think it's it's creating that environment where someone feels comfortable enough to say, what are you going to do? Raise your hand and stand up in front of everyone and say, what are you going to do about the morale? And, the, and then having the leadership ability to swallow that ego and pride and say, help us, help us figure it out. And then come on the team and be part of the leadership um, and showing others that we can create this environment of safety has been one of those things that now, now you lead us to Grochella and those kinds of events. So when we get into the pandemic, um, our team knows that they're safe to be able to come to this place and be creative yeah. and offer solutions and say, let's try this and let's partner with this organization and all kinds of other things. Yeah. What I'm hearing there is that you have enough presence, enough trust in yourself and in trust in your team that you can see someone who is challenging you as to the point of the opening of this, this segment, an opportunity for more. And here you gave a beautiful example. That was a real challenge. You know, even the description of it probably doesn't do justice to the intensity of, of what everyone was going through and being on stage, being called out on this and all of this stuff, but that you had the presence to say, well, this is an opportunity help us help us use this for growth and and that that's really helped in not just the business but that particular individual's life changes because they step into more opportunity and it's such a uh, it's such a win when you're able to be undefended in those situations and really trust your team and trust the leadership principles that you you work with okay so now let's shift again because i think there's more opportunity here um let's shift to the COVID stuff because i think that's something really powerful that you guys can can share 
I think a lot happened in the restaurants um, with COVID, but just to give a little bit of proper quick context, I'll be very, very fast about this. In 2015, we opened up uh, a boutique marketing agency um, because people were wondering, you guys are really rocking your marketing for the restaurants and can you guys help us as well? And so we helped some, some large clients, some small clients, everything from Rita's Italian Ice, um, but the really big pro uh, to, to like, you know, your local OBGYN. So we had a lot of really fun uh, cool, broad clients that we got to work with. But one of the things we did was help the John Maxwell team after Shyla and I had joined the, the team that our mom, the cult, the if cult. you will, uh, <laughs> that our mom had joined um, to grow and scale that in 2015. I went and moved out to Florida. We spent two years helping them to build out the marketing structure for the team that's still in use today. It's accounted for over $100 million in sales. And it, it was a really cool experience. In 2017, our mom got sick and needed to step out of work altogether. And so I moved back home to have my baby and step back into the family business. And Shyla and I started running the restaurants as the sister leadership duo in 2017. So come forward to the pandemic and we're at the helm of this beautiful, great ship. At the time, we're at 11 locations, about to be 12, um, to opening up in our, our fourth state. We had just opened Texas the year prior. We're, we're like rocking and rolling, right? Like 2020 is about to be our best year ever for all of the things. Like we couldn't have even imagined what was coming. And there we are, March 16th, and 85% of the revenue goes away overnight. And so like an entrepreneur would do, we started to get creative. We threw a ton of proverbial spaghetti at the wall to see what would stick. I mean, smoothie kits and family uh, things and grocery packs delivery. and like everything. Oh God, our <laughs> delivery system was so terrible. Um, but the one thing that we threw at the wall that did stick was a program called Feed the Local Need, where we funneled hot meals for hospital workers through our restaurant. So people could donate to the restaurant to supply a hot meal for a hospital worker in our community. And during during eight weeks of shutdown, we were able to raise just north of $40,000. And before we got PPP funding, that was the thing to literally carry the business until we were able to get a little funding, open up our doors once again uh, to the public and start to recover. We did lose a location in the pandemic, um, but the demolishing of the restaurant business opened up a vacuum for some other really neat business opportunities to come through. Um, and so there was just so much opportunity on the other side of that challenge, not to mention the captains that had to weather the storm. Yeah, that's really fascinating. So one of the things that I heard when you were talking about that was unstoppability, you know, the concept of my company brand, what I preach and talk about all the time, you guys were persistent, you had all these ideas, and some of them weren't working. I don't know what the delivery thing was, but that was not working. You both the, the look on your faces when you mentioned that was like, Oh, my God, like, did I live through that? Did I have that idea? Right. That, that you had all these ideas. You, you weren't sitting still. You weren't, you weren't like a deer in the headlights, not doing anything. You were active, but not all of those ideas initially were fruitful. And yet you didn't stop. You didn't go, oh, well, I tried everything. Okay. So talk to me about whether you've always had that mindset or if that is a new like, do you think, well, let me ask you a different question there. Do you think that is a requirement for entrepreneurism to have that? I'm just going to keep trying perseverance 
perspective. Yeah, Shyly here. I think it's only a requirement if you want to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that that persistence and that just that don't quit, don't stop. You know, it, it doesn't mean don't course correct, but it does mean keep going and keep trying. And and, and I think that that it, we both think that that has to be a crucial part of the DNA of an entrepreneur who's really looking to grow. Like if you want to be the one bakery shop owner who owns the one bakery and you work in it every day and like that's the dream, that is freaking amazing. And like you get up at five a.m. and you craft your perfect biscuit. But like, if you're like, I want to build something and grow it, that, that spirit of entrepreneurism of unstoppability is absolutely a key component. And that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Like we, we sat in the car after that meeting and bawled our freaking eyes out. Like it hurt so bad. We, we looked at each other on March 18th, like, holy crap, what are we going to do? Our whole family's financial, everything is on the line. Like it's all on the line. We got interviewed by our local newspaper and they said, how long can you last like this? And we said, as long as it freaking takes, like, are you kidding me? This is everything to us. Everything is on the line. Hundreds of employees that we care tremendously about communities that create memories here, like proposals and Valentine's dates and graduation parties. Like it's all on the line. Like we're going to go as long as it takes, however much spaghetti it has to take. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that was, been, that's been a very key component, um, but it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Like we have cried, we have hit under the table. We have just, you know, thrashed. <laughs> And, and wallowed and yep. wondered, um, but ultimately, you know, wipe off your chin and wipe off your cheeks totally. and just try something else and keep going. I call it being in the fetal position, right? Like it's under the table or under the covers, which one, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's a, the under the table is not a joke. It's a great coping place if anyone needs one. <laughs> totally. I feel you. Totally feel you. Um, okay. So you have to be unstoppable. There has to be, the, the, what I heard in that was no plan B. It wasn't like, I'm going to see if we can weather the storm. I'm going to see if this is going to work. I'm going to see what we can do. It's like, yeah, no, this is happening. Like I'm not available for failure here. I'm not available for all of this to go, go down. And I think that's such a key um, mindset perspective, like what you're available for and what you're not. Someone recently, we were hiring a, a new person on our team and after I had gone through, you know, it was the, the fourth or fifth interview. It was like her time to ask me a few questions. And uh, she asked if I'd never made payroll. And it's such a big question because I think a lot of small businesses, well, even large businesses, you know, are occasionally challenged by that. And I was like, no, never. I'm completely unavailable for that. And I'm not saying someone is wrong or bad if they've hit that crisis before. I know it's a very real thing, but it's very in interesting to me to understand because it's it's a light a, a window into your own psychology what you are available for and what you're not okay and there's there's like it will show you what's acceptable for you and where you'll get activated because we'll like you got activated, right? You were not going to fail, so you were going to work as hard as it took to do whatever it takes to make that. If you have these standards for yourself, you can really break through on so many levels. But if you lower that standard and say, well, it's okay. It's just COVID. Everyone's going through this, right? No, like, like it, it can't be that. So, okay. So what is the restaurant industry for you? Like right now, we're still in COVID where you kind of moving through it and hopefully faster and faster pace, but uh, we're still there. So what is, 
what does it look like for you? What advice would you give um, any restaurateurs who are listening? It's not great. <laughs> I'm just going to be super transparent. The This is Kay. The entire industry is struggling. Um, you know, we're continuing to stay innovative. We found a new flow in order to stay afloat. Um, for If you're a restaurant owner and you're listening, now is the time to diversify your portfolio. Now is the time to uh, seek out other opportunities, find the ways to cut the cost inside your own location. This The, the level of uh, capital cash flow coming in is likely going to be at this decreased level for another 365 days. And the people who survive and the people who don't, the difference between those two are, are, are is going to be the hustle? Are you going out for every grant that you can get? Are you understanding the financial situation that's ahead of you? Unless you're in a community, maybe in Texas or Florida, one of the communities that's that's rather open, um, things are a struggle and the creativity has not stopped. Diversify so that you can meet some other things. It's exactly what we mm -hmm. did. And we've been able to have some of our other entrepreneurial successes now float the restaurants in a way that, that has uh, been able to support them when they need it. So uh, like hang in there but do not let the calm of the storm, this is to the eye of the hurricane, fool you into thinking that we're safe for the next few years because there's it's a long uphill uh, road to recovery. And, you know, Shyla here, just to add to that, you know, we can't help but see the opportunity to come back around on that, that the tremendous economic pruning that has happened in our industry when things do back open back up when things are now we've got way yeah. less competition right when things are normal again we've got way less competition and we've we've proven ourselves to the community that we have staying power that 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 window in baby like we're not going anywhere i would rather have my parents move in with me with three-year-old twins and a six-week-old baby and they slept on my living room floor than not make payroll right because if you don't make payroll that means you're not coming back from that most of the time um so so is that same just kind of mindset of like you gotta you gotta stay it uh and 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 bring in other things can you consider doing a ghost kitchen out of it can you consider adding other hours can you consider getting a, a, an additional partner or bringing in some more paring down your menu so that you're more creative and more streamlined. Um, so continuing to stay responsive and then also resourceful when it comes to applying for grants. Like a lot of the folks who didn't make it in our community I, we just don't have time. We just don't have time. Like, well, this is, it, what's on the line here? Not to, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. Like we've we've applied for probably twenty six grants now at this point, including the federal aid and all of that stuff, and we've gotten like four of them. So there's been twenty two applications that went unanswered, but the four of them have resulted in nearly six figures that help float the family business that make us less in a hole when we come out of it. So it's been ultimately worth it. So that yeah. resourcefulness has been um, a key a key component. Yeah, no, I love that. This is one of the things I, I teach people sales quite a bit. And this is one of the things that you have to learn, right? It's like your conversion rate might be, I don't know how to do the math that quickly Four out of 26, but like yeah. there's, there's some roughly 20% um, conversion rate. Did I get close? Maybe. Yeah. Like 15 to 18. Yeah. yeah. yeah something like that. Um, but you, that's your conversion rate. You have to know your numbers and you have to be at bat, right? You have to like go, go out there and do this. And you would, if your business was dependent on grants forevermore, like if that was your business, you would get better and better and better. And your conversion rate would get better and better and better, but you would invest the time for that. And you wouldn't be afraid to put yourself out there and you wouldn't be in the mindset of, I don't have time for what the thing that's going to move money sales or getting a grant right now like this this is this is the lie that people 
tell themselves it comes from a good place. They're just trying to, to like do the next thing on the task list and they're doing triage all the time and the, the house is on fire. And I get that. And that's where having a mentor or someone or listening to this podcast and hearing us talk about this, like you have to step back from that and do what I call the needle moving work, which is going to call in the money so that you have some foundation. And then you can go back to like putting out the fires because this is, this is the real fire is, is really what it comes down to. Okay. Before I ask my last three questions, because I have final questions for you guys, where can people find you and what can you offer them in terms of more growth and learning? We'd love to have you guys come down to our Instagram at K and Shy, K A Y A N D S H I. And this is K here. You can also go to K and if you want to connect with us more. You can, of course, join us on our daily five minute podcast, a quick like wake up while you're brushing your teeth and your hair, a really good way to start your day called the Mentorship Quest. We'd love to have you there. Literally everything on our website and everything on our Instagram uh, is free. Um, we're just just here to add value, to open up the door on the entrepreneurial journey. We have been incredibly transparent in regards to our struggle, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic shutdowns. Um, so we would highly encourage you to come on down if you're looking for maybe a little bit more than just a highlight reel. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Three questions. We're going to do this. You could probably spend the entire uh, podcast answering each of these questions. So these are not, these are not necessarily short questions. Uh, short answer questions, but I'm going to ask you to answer them in like rapid fire. Okay. All right. So what have people been lied to or misled by the experts in the restaurant business world? Like what's one thing that you really want people to know before they start their dive into this business, or if they've already been in the business for a while? One thing that people believe Shyla here about the restaurant industry is that you have good food, you will be successful. And that is just not the case. It's that it's all those pillars of business that we talked about earlier and everybody has good food. Like, let's just be honest, like you're not <laughs> in business yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you don't have good food or you won't be for long. So it can't just be about good food. If there's so much more at play and knowing how to run that business. The first thing we did when COVID-19 hit was get on with our financial advisors and say, how do we extend this runway? Like, because mm -hmm. if that goes away, everything goes away and it's gotta be the top priority. So yeah. speaking that language of numbers um, and knowing that it's more than food. It is, it's like, it's not the concept of if you build it, they will come like, yes, you can be great at what you do. But if you suck at sales and marketing, if you suck at the leadership stuff, if you suck at the team building, if you suck at your numbers, like it's, it's going to cause you challenges. Like it's not a business. Okay. So yes, hundred percent. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, what is a belief that you used to hold that you've shifted that has specifically impacted your business? One of the beliefs that Kay here that we used to hold was that the business was run 100% by the numbers and the processes that were behind it, that profit and process were the only two components of the business that really mattered. Um, but when we really started to take on that people aspect and understand that values like written and agreed upon values could drive our decision-making and the decision-making of our leaders, that we might see the filter in a different way. And it started to lead things to the very top of the list, like taking care of the payroll, making sure our people were uh, well taken care of, supplied and educated um, so that the business could grow from a people standpoint, not just a process and profit standpoint. Mm, I love it. I love it. 
Okay, last question, and both of you get to answer this. Um, so have at it. What makes you an unstoppable woman? Ooh, that's a good one. Each other. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great answer. And Shyla here, you know, partnership for sure. And for us, but we think for others as well, like just, you know, the African proverb says, if you want to go far or if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. And so understanding that it's a messy, sloppy evolution with other people along the way, but you can ultimately achieve more. You can have more happiness, more joy, more fulfillment uh, if we bring others in and we build a team around us um, and everybody stays in their flame and in their strength zone has been one of those things that certainly has been um, a huge factor for us. I think the other thing that makes us unstoppable women is that we are um, under no misunderstanding that we are spiritual beings who are having a physical experience. Um, and so having an understanding as a business person that there is an energetic half of your life that if it is not being paid attention to, um, you miss so much growth, opportunity, fulfillment, and love. And when we really started to bring that into our sense of day-to-day -day work and into business and separating out that identity of the business owner with the spiritual being having a physical experience, um, our experience got a lot more joyful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Those are great answers. Yummy. So to wrap up this podcast, I just want to reflect back how the two of you have really done such a stellar job of integrating what might one might call the masculine elements, excuse me, and the feminine elements of business. Like you are integrating the numbers, the profit and loss, the systems, and really looking at leadership, really looking at your spirituality, being open to receiving, you've got the perseverance, the drive, the, the get it done, but you also have this like acceptance and allowing and opening and inclusivity within the, the company that you've built. And that's a really beautiful thing to see and a beautiful reflection of, of wholeness and integration in both yourselves and your business. So thank you for demonstrating that so beautifully and sharing all your stories. We could talk for hours. There's, I know that this is the tip of the iceberg, but thank you so much for everything that you've shared. It's been great having you. Thank you so much. We were joyed to be here and be with you and keep being unstoppable. Yes. This was a delightful experience. You go girl. Okay. Right on. Okay. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining us and for being a part of the Unstoppable Woman movement. I want to let you know that we've got a ton of free resources for you for scaling your business at theunstoppablewoman.com slash free stuff. Please go ahead and check those out. And we'd also love your help in getting the message out. Share this podcast with all the unstoppable women in your life, your friends, your colleagues, your business besties. Please do that. And if you're game, we'd super duper duper appreciate a review on iTunes as well. Thanks so much and be unstoppable.